The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data... Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to continue our discussion about how you can maximize your marketing spend through retargeting. Joining us again is Daniel Danes-Hutt, who is the founder at two companies, Inbound Ascension and Amp My Content, which are both marketing agencies that specialize in traffic generation through retargeting. And yesterday, Daniel told us about how he develops retargeting audiences. And today, we're going to continue the conversation to discuss how you can optimize your retargeting campaigns. Okay, here's the second part of my interview with Daniel Danes-Hutt, founder of Inbound Ascension and Amp My Content. Daniel, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thank you so much for having me again. So I'm really excited to have you back. Yesterday, we were talking about a bunch of topics around basically content creation and traffic generation. And where we landed was there's a series of ways to take a piece of content that you've produced and to use influencers to start to optimize it for SEO and also to use some paid traffic to seed it to that point of inflection where your content just starts producing value on its own. I want to talk a little bit now about retargeting. Once you have proven that your ad strategy works and you're getting traffic to your content, I know that you have incredible conversion rates for your content, trying to drive them through the funnel and you're getting people to subscribe and your rates of conversion are astronomic. Mine and everybody else's aren't. Okay. So most people, you know, me included, are sitting here saying, all right, I drove a lot of traffic to a piece of content. Some people signed up for my newsletter, registered, bought something maybe. Most of them didn't. Talk to me about your thoughts about building your retargeting audience and how do you set up a retargeting campaign? So it's going to reveal how we get such high opt-ins and a few other things. I want to talk about some aspects of retargeting that you probably haven't heard of before. Just because I'm a weirdo, uh, I do different things to most people. So the reason we have the other blog and we use content is because there's so many different benefits to it. Traffic to content is just one of them. If Google died tomorrow, I wouldn't care because I still have these assets that can convert people. If we think about traditionally with retargeting, it's all about reframing objections. Someone comes along, they see the offer, they don't buy. Usually it's because they don't want it or the phone rings or they've got to walk the dog or something like that and they have to go and do something else. And just by retargeting the offer to them, you'll see more sales just because they get to come back. The best salespeople out there You have some people who make an offer and they're pretty good. You have people who reframe objections afterwards and they're better. 
the very best salespeople are the people who pre-frame objections in advance so that when you make the offer, it's the best logical choice for that person. I use retargeting at all three stages. If you think of a sales funnel, the reason we call it a funnel is not so much because it filters through, it's because it's very wide at the top and very narrow at the bottom. Most people don't get all the way through. So I use retargeting before I make an offer to make sure that people keep consuming a series of content to get to my offer and be the ideal customer. A lot of people don't do this because they only ever spend that money at the offer stage, reframing objections. But the thing is, it costs hardly anything to get people to say, hey, you read article one and you really love this. Article two is coming out in a couple of days. So a couple of days later, they start seeing adverts for article two and they click on it and read. I can't remember the company. I do have it written down somewhere. But they found that if they emailed about a new article, it would do really well. But if they emailed and did retargeting where they targeted their audience with a paid ad, they saw something like a 37% lift in actual people going across and clicking it from their own audience. So I will use retargeting to get people through my funnel, all the stages that I need them to get through to become the ideal customer. I will also retarget people who read an article and don't opt in because I can segment based off of people who've opted in and who haven't. And I'll see another 10, 20% of people opt into content. So that means that content is now more effective because if I can get a hundred people to it and only two convert into a subscriber, if I can get it to four to six to eight, it's the equivalent of doubling my traffic, tripling my traffic, quadrupling my traffic, but it's much easier, right? No one is doing this. No one is pushing people through with retargeting ads. No one is coming back to those people that they lost the opt-in for the first time and saying, do you want to come back? So when we do that, we get something like a 50% opt-in rate. So what I'm hearing is you have an audience of people who were either distracted and were unable to complete the conversion that you wanted them to. So just purely by the nature of putting your ad back in front of them, it gives them an opportunity to convert for something they wanted to. You have the ability to reframe the problem that they have in the first place. And then there was the third stage where you're essentially pre-framing, where you're explaining what they're going to have an objective for and why they shouldn't worry about it. How do you figure out what your message is when you're thinking about your retargeting audience, whether you should just restate the problem, reframe it, or solve some other objections? Customer research is vital if you want to thrive in business. Like your statement at the end of every episode, right, is keep your customers happy. And we do that by providing the best product, by knowing our audience the best. It's the same with our content. If we know the problems that people are having before they become a customer, we can help overcome those to get them to ready to be a customer. So research is vital at all times. In yesterday's episode as well, when I'm talking about the focus group of paid ads, that's research. I'm seeing which ad variation works best with that focus group of people. So I will do all this research before I write a post, but it's also research that helps me write the adverts because then I obviously, I know where I'm sending them to. And so it ties in. So all of the content that I've got that moves them towards becoming a customer, that already exists. And I could just leave it as it is. But I can also then, if I know the next article that's coming out, my advert can pretty much be the same as the email that that person would get to say, hey, here's the next article. It talks about this and this and why you need it and stuff. Obviously, there's more detail than that. But the advert could be the same, especially if it's on brand and the imagery is similar. They're going to say, oh, brilliant. That's the next article in that series. It's the next Netflix episode of the thing that I'm consuming and I want. So it keeps pushing them through. The way that I've always thought about retargeting was very much in stages where you have your initial awareness stage, you're getting your brand, you're getting your first impression, you have a click. 
somebody's come to your website and hopefully consume some content. And the next stage of the funnel is to get them to consume a piece of content that is farther down the funnel, right? You're going, I'll use an example, from education content to product content, and then from product content to sales to some sort of offer page and from the offer page to onboarding. It sounds like you're framing this in a little bit of a different way where you have a series of content that you're just trying to get people to engage with. Like here's episode one, episode two, episode three, episode four. And at the end of each episode, by the way, here's the, you should buy this link or you should pay us for something. Usually we will have opt-in offers because online there's no human connection. There's always barriers. If you make me an offer, I can just turn off the phone and that's it. I never have to hear from you again. Like it's so easy to lose people. So I'm always trying to get a subscriber because every time I do and I don't pitch them, that trust and authority and reciprocity is just stacking over and over and over again. So they're so much more likely to trust us and to take the offer when we do present it. We have a high ticket product, so I have to build a lot of trust. Otherwise, I'm just going to offend people if I try and pitch them on it right away. We are doing a similar thing where it is awareness and consideration and things like that, but it's done in a sequence of articles. One, I can build SEO to it so I can get traffic without paying for it. But two, it's doing that job. It is moving them down until they get to the point where they are now considering a product and they're looking at alternatives and things. We're just moving them along. So it is very similar, but I do things differently to a lot of people that you'll see out there because I'm just bizarre like that. But you also have to look at our conversions and our opt-ins. Let's go with Savant. Okay. <laughs> That's a nice crazy. Yeah, nice crazy is another way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest thing that gets me is someone comes into your sphere of influence, to your website or something like that. They hear about you. A lot of people will make an offer far too soon. Day one, they're trying to recoup costs. You know, you're just real pushy. They don't want to hear from you ever again. Or they try and make an offer before that person really wants what they have to sell. They don't fully understand. I We sell a program. It's all about content creation and promotion. Everyone knows that you need to promote. No one really cares. Like, oh yeah, I get traffic and stuff. When you're doing the math and you sit down and you figure out that actually... I wrote one article four months ago. It's done $30,000 in sales. It gets 28,000 impressions a month in Google now. It gets paid ads for a dollar a time. You know, like doing it like this pays off, but people don't connect with that because they just think, oh, I've got to do the next post. or I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And it's all about being active all the time. It's, instead, it's about being smart, lazy, figuring out how the systems work and how best to leverage them as you move through. So we use retargeting to get those people to that point where they are most likely to become a customer because if I make an offer beforehand, I've lost them, but they're more likely every time. Maybe it's 1% more likely each time they go through, but they're more likely to become a customer at that point. And when we're dealing with thousands of visitors a month, you're better off doing that than just trying to burn through people right away. It's why I have my phone off and my email and stuff off because we can get sales. So that gets them to the offer. Even then, no sales page is perfect, no offer is perfect. I can take feedback and data and keep improving it and things, but more often than not, I'm trying to reframe people after that. So if we look at your audience, there's normally four types. You normally have the people who want to buy, absolutely love it kind of thing. You have people who are skeptics. Does it really work? I'm not too sure. You have people who are warriors who just kind of worry all the time, like, oh, yes, it works for you, but will it work for me? And yet you have procrastinators who will just, I think Simon Sinek says, they wouldn't have mobile phones, they still have rotary phones if we hadn't taken them away from them. <laughs> they just leave everything to the last minute. Now, all those people make up your ideal audience and they could be a customer and what you sell could work. But 
we don't always in retargeting talk to those four different segments. We almost always say, hey, did you miss this product? You can get it. Or even worse, hey, you didn't get it. Do you want a discount off of it? Which then just kind of cuts out the legs from under you of how good your thing is. Instead, look at the reasons why they didn't buy. Some of them just needed a reminder. Brilliant, you'll convert those people. The other people who didn't buy, it's not because they need a discount. It's because they're a bit skeptical that it works. So retargeting them with case studies and things like that will help them convert because they can see, oh, actually, this thing does work. Same for the people who are kind of warriors. You can retarget them with frequently asked questions. You can show other people using the product, all these different things, but they're all designed to talk to different segments of your audience. How do you know which person is in which group? How do you know who is a worrier and who is a procrastinator? I mean, right, all you're getting is somebody that comes and consumes a piece of content. You don't always know. You might show the wrong advert to the wrong person. It's still better off than sending them a discount and devaluing what you've been trying to build up trust to. What you can do is you can stagger delivery. So for the first three days after, you could remind them and then stop that advert and now retarget them with stuff that's designed to talk to the skeptics. Hey, here's so-and-so using it. Here's this, here's case studies. And then three days after that, you start talking about, here's people, here's frequently asked questions. Here's us talking to these people. Here's us showing the program working. And then finally, seven days later, maybe then you offer some, not a discount, but some kind of twist the knife so that the procrastinators take action. Maybe you add a benefit that it's time relevant, Hey, if you get it now, we're going to add this one thing, but only for two days because they need that to take action. So you can stagger that delivery because the the people who wanted it, who wanted reminding, they got it the first three days. It's crazy how much people need some sort of motivation to be able to take an offer that they want to. And I'll give an example of when we reach out to potential sponsors for the MarTech podcast, we send a three email series. I don't want to blow up people's inbox, even if the best practice is sending eight emails over 40 days. They get three emails over 10 and it's, here's the introduction. I'm bubbling this up in your inbox. I'm not going to bother you if you don't want me to, but here's why I think we should work together. And that third email off the charts, people say, oh, well, he's not going to email me anymore. So I actually was interested in this. The time boxing thing and giving them an extra motivation is a huge driving factor to drive people for conversions that actually want to have conversations and want to understand what your products and services are. Totally. And we can make assumptions of why. Oh, they hate us and they hate our product. No, their kid was sick. They didn't read any emails that day off. They did. Like I said before this podcast, I was really sorry I didn't send a bio. And if it was in the email, I apologize. I had man flu for like two weeks. And so I was in the office trying to get stuff done, but really I was kind of blinkered and I'm like, I'm only performing at 20% of what I could be doing. So that would be why I didn't send the bio in that instance is because I wasn't functioning. It wasn't because I didn't want to send one. Yeah. And you know, the average person needs what's like nine touches before they buy a product. Exactly. It's not because they're building that much impulse in the product. It's that they have to build trust and that people are busy. Yeah. And they don't even notice. It's like when you buy a car and then all of a sudden all the cars you see of that car. In reality, you probably saw those cars in advance and that helped make your decision to buy that car, but you just don't remember it at the time. So when we do a launch sequence, when we open up our program, We have four pieces of content, maybe 10 emails, getting people to the point where their program's ready. And then it goes live and I get emails from people saying, hey, what's this program? I've never heard about it before. And I'm like, are you serious? You've seen adverts and things and you've had 10 emails and all this piece of content. So there's always a subset of your audience that just needs you to interact with them to get to that point. Now, they're not all sales emails, by the way. That's like us nurturing and getting them to the point where the offer is ready. 
but some people just need that poke to actually see that. That's another big thing about retargeting, reframing objections. I can't tell you the company, but I used to consult for a really big PPC company in the US who were doing ridiculously well. We were talking about one campaign where it was, they're trying to sell diamond rings for a nationwide company. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't get these rings to sell and they were offering discounts. And I told them to stop because if you think about it, no one's going to buy the cheaper version of the ring. It's a huge moment. They'll save up for it for years and years if they have to. Instead, maybe the ring you showed them wasn't good enough for their partner. So they started to show better versions and they actually increased sales. It's because the offer they were pushing wasn't good enough at the time. They wanted a, a more expensive ring. Or we started to do nurture content in advance, like helping guys find the ring, help her to figure out what her ring finger size is and stuff like this. That's a huge part that's stopping people from buying because I don't know what size to buy. Stuff like that. Trying to think empathetically about your audience, all the different potential possibilities that could happen. I could do a groundhog day on it, like this, then this, and this, and this. Trying to figure out the best situation of conversations to approach the girl. And he keeps getting blown out. And so the next day he copies everything he did that worked before. And then he tries something new. It's the same kind of thing. So like, it wasn't about the price. It was about not the best offer or they might be having like second doubts. So what could you talk to him about that then? I don't know if you know the story, but the diamond ring industry was entirely manufactured with content and advertising. Before that, people would buy rubies and yet the industry wanted to sell more diamonds. And so they started putting them on celebrities. They started using content marketing of like how best to get it out there. So the whole myth of it's supposed to be, what is it? Three months wages. That was introduced because how can you have a product that is $40,000 and $2,000 and sell it to two different audiences? You change the price and you make it about what the emotional connection is. So three months wages is a lot of money. doesn't matter if you're making like 100K or if you're making 20K, but that way you can both buy the same product, different versions of the same product, but it means that very rich people would buy diamond rings and people who didn't have the money would buy diamond rings, but they had a rule around what they should be expected to spend. Yeah, I think bringing it back to retargeting, we're talking about things like diamond rings and what a customer sentiment is. You have to understand your customers and the multiple stages that they need to go through in the buying decision and having a sense of how many touches a customer that converts has is probably the best way to understand how many touches that you should be putting into your marketing mix and how long your funnel should be. And then doing your customer research, doing all your qualitative research, understanding what are some of the decision processes that your customer goes through can help you figure out when and how to place those ads. Totally. And it doesn't have to be perfect on day one. It can be after the fact. You can do as much research as you can and create one, but then speak to people afterwards who don't convert and figure out why, and then go back and improve it again. So I said that we're writing an article today. That's exactly why. From people who didn't buy our product, there are certain factors that I didn't cover. So I'm going to take that into a new article that will then help get those kind of people converted better. So I'm taking that feedback after the fact and I'm putting it back in in front for the next people who are like them to help them convert and understand the product and the offer and things. But it also means I can put it into my advert. I can put it into my retargeting ads. I can put it into our FAQs, all that kind of stuff. Understanding the audience is so vital, but you don't, it doesn't have to be perfect to start. You can then ask afterwards why they didn't buy and they'll tell you, and then you can put that back in afterwards. 
Yeah, I think that not only understanding your audience, but having the ability to re-engage with them and test different offers and understanding what gets them through the funnel and breaking it down into micro conversions of, you know, what I think of as awareness, education, product conversion. There might be six different steps along the way to get from product to conversion. And those are things that you have to test and figure out. But on the flip side, retargeting your existing audience or the people that have already engaged with your content is going to be your highest converting ad spend. You're targeting the people that are already the farthest down the funnel. They have the least distance to go to get through to in conversion. Totally. Like you might spend $3 for the email, but that sale, that retargeting ad might only cost you a dollar. And if you didn't spend that $1 then, that's a sale that you missed. Absolutely. Okay, Daniel, let me just stop and say, I've learned a tremendous amount from this conversation. I really appreciate you coming on the show. It's an honor to have you as a listener. Great to have you as a guest. Great to connect. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Daniel Danes-Hutt, founder of Inbound Ascension and Amp My Content for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Daniel, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can send him a tweet at Inbound Ascension, I-N-B-O-U-N-D-A-S-C-E-N-S-I-O-N, or you can visit his company's website, which is inboundascension.com. A couple of links in our show notes that I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, just head over to martechpod.com, where you have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So we created benjshap.com slash question, where you can send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap on LinkedIn and on Twitter, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we publish every day during the work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Or if you'd prefer to have our content delivered to your inbox, we also have a once a week newsletter. To subscribe, go to benjshap.com slash newsletter. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.